In the light of all that we've been saying then in the last few uh, programs, Romans chapter 6 about uh, being dead to sin uh, is irrelevant, but also, I'm sorry, is relevant, is very relevant, but also confusing uh, to uh, many of us who don't really know and understand Paul's uh, form of thought. But let me remind you, first of all, uh, what we've uh, uh, explored in Romans chapter 5. Even though we've gone into lots of details about being justified by faith and having peace with God and even rejoicing in our tribulations, and even though we've talked about Christ dying uh, for us even when we were ungodly and sinners and enemies, and that uh, as in one man... um, all died, that is, in Adam, all came under the condemnation of sin and death. So in Christ, all are going to be uh, justified, declared innocent, and uh, brought uh, to life. We've studied all that, but there is a rubric under which all of that can be subsumed. And it is this, that we are freed from the wrath of God. Remember that God's wrath is motivated by love. God is uh, love, and he loves what is good, and therefore he hates what is evil. He loves what is kind, and therefore hates what is cruel. There can be no love of God without wrath against the cruelty and the hardness and the maliciousness of sin. But um, that wrath God took Instead of being uh, placing it upon human beings, he took it upon himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So what we have in Romans chapter 5 is the teaching of freedom from the, the wrath and the judgment of God. See, since we are freed from judgment and wrath, we are justified or declared innocent. And since uh, wrath is, according to Romans chapter 1, handing us over to the powers of sin. Well, the opposite of wrath is therefore bringing us back or reconciling us uh, to himself. And that's what Romans 5 is all about, that when we were enemies, we were reconciled uh, to God by the death of his son. Okay, that's all by review. But then what about this? What shall we say then? Chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Have you, uh, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Well, that's a very, very interesting sentence or two and very confusing to many. I mean, why are you listening to this radio broadcast? You may be listening to it because... You don't go to church much these days. And why would that be? Perhaps you've had a decade or two of uh, kicking over the traces and uh, you just feel unworthy uh, of of going to church. You You feel unworthy to go to church. You feel, I remember, and I think I've told you this recently, uh, a man um, whom I was counseling years ago and who said to me he hadn't been to church in 38 years. He was struggling with some dark issues, some very serious addictions, and he simply felt that he could not cross the church door. He did tell me that once he went right up to the church, determined to walk in on Sunday morning, and then he got the butterflies and he just turned back. Well, what does that man think about being dead to sin? 
I can't remember that we discussed this in detail. I'm sure we did, because that would have been part of my counseling. But um, he must have thought, well, I'm too much alive to sin, too much uh, interested in it and involved in it, sensitive to it, responsive to it, to be a serious Christian, and so I can't go to church. There are lots of others who set it as a goal for themselves. I'm, well, I'm a Christian, and I see here Paul says that the people that he was working with had died to sin. They must have been much more religious and spiritual than I am. Um, so I want to get to be more religious and spiritual to see if I can get to the place where I die to sin. And what do they mean by that? Well, I remember a preacher years ago, uh, decades and decades ago, saying, what does a dead man feel if you stick a pin in him? Nothing. And of course, the, the congregation chuckles. And he said, and that's how we can, that's the place we can get to where we do not feel sin and temptation or the desire anymore. Is that what Paul is talking about it absolutely is not, and I'll explain in a minute. I remember a sermon years ago, again a few decades ago, a different sermon though, by a famous preacher who described in 38 or 40 minutes what the new birth was like. And he described it in such idealistic and perfectionistic terms like, you know, that we have, uh, we no longer desire sin, we have a new birth, uh, all our old desires are gone, and we are now new in Christ, and uh, on and on he went with this incredibly idealistic perf uh, description of the new birth, a perfectionist description of the new birth, that probably everyone in the congregation walked away real thinking that he or she wasn't a Christian after all, because they hadn't experienced a new birth like that. You see the problem that we're facing. What does a Christian feel? What does he experience as a newborn child of God? What is Paul, in other words, talking about? What shall we say then, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he mean by that, first of all, shall we continue in sin? Well, we need to understand that Paul has just spent the previous oh, verses from chapter 5, verse 12 to 21, explaining that humankind now no longer lives by faith, no longer lives in the kingdom of Adam, which is the kingdom of sin and death. That as we put faith in Christ, we realize we have now been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his Son, and we now live freed from the power of sin, which can condemn us, and the power of death, which can execute us. We are now in the kingdom of Christ, where there is justification, that is, the declaration of innocence, and life, that is, the declaration of eternal life. We live by faith in that. We don't experience it fully now, of course, but we live by faith in it. We live in the life of the resurrected Christ. 
Well, that's the context, you see. So then he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? And what's the context? Shall we continue in the sin kingdom? He's not talking about individualistic sins that we may commit here and there, or an attitude of anger or resentment or depression or um, frustration over the life that we have because we don't have enough faith. He's not talking, in other words, about our sinful nature. Shall we uh, uh, go on living in that? Because we do live in that sinful nature. We, are, we live and breathe in, the fa- in our fallen human condition. What he's saying is, shall we continue in the sin kingdom, which is the kingdom of, of condemnation and death, the kingdom where everything we do um, we feel guilty about, everything we try to do we feel ashamed because we don't properly accomplish it or fulfill it. Uh, we uh, go around in this world moaning and bemoaning and uh, feeling unworthy and uh, depressed that we can't fulfill the Word of God or that we have started on a goal and a mission for God and then gave it up because we forgot it. Um, all this, uh, these common conditions or and, of course, the desires for the flesh, uh, either sexual or, dr- a drug addic- or drug addicted or rather desiring drugs or desiring alcohol, anything to change our mood, uh, uppers and downers or antidepressants or whatever we may uh, look for instead of the kingdom of Christ and faith, all of these conditions, you see, are part of the kingdom of sin and death. But when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we are counted as no longer in that kingdom of sin and death, even though our body still desires these things and sometimes fails and goes after them, even though we sometimes get down and depressed and discouraged and disheartened and resentful, even though all of these things come upon us, we are no longer counted as in that kingdom of sin and death, and we therefore say, Father, I thank you that the feelings I have in my human nature are no longer counted as mine, are no longer counted as, un- and I am no longer counted as under the condemnation of them. You see, this is what Paul is talking about. We have interpreted these uh, verses as if they were entirely psychological. Now, you know that I teach a lot about how the spiritual realities of the kingdom of grace affect our psychology. But I do not confuse the gospel of the kingdom of grace as psychology. It is not. It influences psychology. But the gospel is not psychology. And so we are, Paul is not talking in psychological terms here. Those ideas would be totally foreign to him. He is talking in terms of the great, broad, large, deep, Uh, issues of the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, in the sin kingdom? Always coming under judgment, always condemning ourselves, always telling ourselves we will not make it, we're not good enough yet, what's wrong with us, we can never do anything right. All of that, shall we continue in that sin kingdom of grace, a sin kingdom rather, that grace may abound? 
we want grace to abound even in when we've we've fallen back into the sin kingdom but we don't have to continue there in other words we are free to say father what i feel what i have failed to do what i have done is not the true me i now live in the kingdom of Christ because I am counted as dead to sin. You see, dead to sin then does not mean not feeling sin anymore or not feeling temptation anymore. Dead to sin is that I was executed by proxy, by substitution in other words, by Jesus Christ. I was executed, that is, I died by proxy in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. In other words, Christ Jesus died as a substitute for me, and he died as one being executed. He didn't simply die a natural death. He didn't simply die a criminal's death. He died as a substitute for all humanity, being executed as God for men, and women on the cross for our sins. And so I am free to say I am dead to sin in the sense that I have been already charged with guilt and executed in the person of Jesus Christ who died for me. So I am freed from the accusation of my sinful nature. That is the glorious truth of the gospel that enables you to walk more steadily with God and more consistently with Him. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. Please consider a donation and thank you for your recent donations and your little notes. I do appreciate them very much. Uh, you may send your donation, make, make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Look for the, the donations button there and it will direct you to, uh, to PayPal or to your own uh, uh, card. So thank you and I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless. Yes.